Welcome to our weekly, and we, we mean weekly, Wednesday night shiur. Once again, as we approach our first Yadzite and other base, is it the Ilanishma Siliza Shalamis? And the Fuas and Yeshua's for all those that need it. Um, like to give Shabbat Vaidoya, we had a little. Uh, our own family experience this week with a child not being well, Rahman al-Islam, Baruch Hashem, Chazde Hashem, child is home, isn't the hate, child is happy, and all is well. So we give Shevach Vahidoya for the Ebishter, Halavai Vaiter, Shabi Gezunt, Freilich and Naches, Techal Yisrael, everybody should have great nachas from their children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, Yitz Hashem. Um, Chedish Adar. Chedish Adar. Um, should the Chedish start with the Milsa the B'dit Chusa? We'll start, we'll ultimately tie it into the uh, Shir, into the Parsha. Story of Mendel Futafas told <laughs> Russia. Yes, we're hearing a lot of stories of Mendel Futafas lately. Tonight also is the Rashag Zyadzeit. Rishmayor Gerari, Shalom. We spoke about another Aleph as well. And this Shabbos Pasha Zohar, next week, Wednesday, Mirza Shem Balinu Teva, is Tainus Esther, and Thursday will be Purim. And Friday, of course, Shushan Purim. And we will hopefully, Mirza Shem, this evening discuss. Various halachas that are pertinent to that. One of Mendel's fellow prisoners, when he was a son in prison, told a story. He told a story that he found very humorous, actually. It was a Cossack. He was a Cossack. And Stalin and Machshemev is Everyone in Russia knew Stalin, nobody feared him beyond. And anyone that might have thought of opposing or once mentioned to a great grandfather about opposing Stalin was put to death. Stalin and Machshemev did a major number, he did more numbers. He killed more millions of people than a lot of people can think or imagine. This one Kazakh was put, he was a loyal soldier by the Tsar. And uh, here he was in the prison together with Remendel. And he told the story that he was once assigned to go a long distance on horseback. Very important mission. He had these missions often. The one particular mission, he got very, very tired, and he went and he pulled over his horse to a uh, rest area. There was no Seven uh, Eleven. There was no McDonald's. There was a tree and a little brook, and he sat there. He slept. He lay down under the tree and let his horse. Push his tail his way around, drink some water, relax also. He got just about a half hour later, he woke up and he washed his face with some water from the brook. He got back on his mounted his trusty steed when I fart. He's riding through a village and he noticed a terrible smell. And he said, Uish. There must be a tannery in this town. The tannery has the skins and everything. A terrible smell. So he moved. He booked it. Went very quickly through the town. Ah! Once he was in the open, he was in the fields again. He started moving. Fresh wind across his face. But in the field, he started smelling again. He says, Ugh! Must have been a plague over here. And they threw all the carcasses out into the field. No wonder it smells so bad here. So he kept moving. He moved faster. Then he came to a plowed field, and again the smell came to his face. 
came to his nose. And when the swell, smell again wafted in his nose, he said, oh, they must have fertilized the field just now, so the manure smells like this. Finally, he came to the main road. He came to the main road, and the smell is still there. It's just as strong as before. He stopped the horse, he started to look all around, and he started to think what it could be. And the Cossacks, the first thing they do when they start to think is they twirl their mustache. He felt something in his mustache. And when he moved his hand away from his mustache, he realized in his hand, while he was lying down, the horse took a liberty on his face. And he says, I was trying to run away from myself, he says. <laughs> and he would laugh and he would slap his own knee and mentally to get out. That's a complaint also. Yes, someone running from their own self. Common practice in today's world. The Shabbos, as we said, is Pasha Zacher. We then Pasha's Vayikra, we start in Uchumish Vayikra. We start Chumish Vayikra, which is the third of the books, the five Svarim, formerly known as the word, the book of Leviticus. Took me a long time to be able to pronounce that word. That's why I like to say it, Leviticus. Anyway, Chumish Vayikra, known as Tedes Kahanim, And in Chumash Vayikra we have discussed all the different karbanes and sacrifices that people bring. So let us first focus on Chumash Vayikra. A question is asked in Vayikra Rabba. Mipnei ma maschilun l'tinekes b'tedes kahanim ve'in maschilun b'breishis Why when we start to teach the tinekes the small children, school children, we start Vayikra and not Bereshis. And the answer the mother says, Elashati Nekis Tehidin, Rakabanas Tehidin. The children are pure, and so the sacrifices are pure. Yaveyo Tehidin, Vis Asku Betehidin. Let come the Tehidin. The pure come and deal with the pure. <laughs> Pistachios, no salt. <laughs> the only time the Teda classifies sacrifices as Tehidim, as pure, is in a reference when it comes to the sacrifices offered by Neach. When Noach was saved from the flood, the Torah tells us, and Noach built an altar to God, and he took of all pure animals, and the pure fowl, and he brought up a carbon oil, a burnt offering on the altar. Rashi says, Rashi observes that the pure animals referred to there, means the kosher animals which are destined to be pure for Israel that's what Rashi explains the Pesach why they're called pure animals the concept that Neach brought karbonites, brought sacrifices this predated not only the command to the Jewish people to be able to distinguish between the impure and the pure which happens now in Chumash Vayikra only in chapter 11, verse 47 does it begin. And to observe a kosher diet, it also precedes, it also predated our forefathers, our patriarchs. If you're keeping score at home, the Gemara and Kedushin, Pei Beizem and Aleph, 82 side 1, says they observed the entire Torah even before it was given. 
So the Medrash references to the sacrifices is pure, and therefore saying that the pure, meaning the children, deal with the pure, meaning Karbanas, this references to something that preceded Teda way before. What did it precede? The concept, the ability to reveal God's essential love for the Jewish people. Some talk about Zion, other also. Which is the ability to reveal God's essential love for the Jewish people. This connection is precedes and transcends even the bond with God achieved the observance of His data. It was way before and way beyond. So now, therefore, we understand why the Jewish school children start learning Teda Vayikra. Very, very young, at a young and tender age. Because children are not obligated to the observance of Teda. They're not even old enough for training of Teda Mitzvahs. But their early reading of the Teda's words is emblematic of the Jews' inherent connection to God and His Torah laws. And the same too also is the Karbanis. They reflect the Jewish people's pure and unviable relationship with God. Therefore it is most appropriate that the pure come to deal with the pure. So this is an introduction only to Chumash Vayikra, why Chumash Vayikra is used as a stepstone for the children. Hmm? The Medeshrab. Vayikra Rab. Um... Tonight, of course, is also Zion Other. Today was Vov, the Yatsat of Rashag. Tonight is Zion Other, the birthday on Yatsat of Meshrabenas. We spoke in Zion Other Aleph. Mesha Rabbeinu, of course, as we know, is Pashtus of the Mesha Bechadar Mesha finds himself, is found for us in each and every generation. And therefore, the leader of our generation, the Mesha Rabbeinu of our generation, is what keeps us, what enhances, what gives us Kriyach. To sit and to learn. Sufalik, the first major battle that Meshir Abinu faces is the battle with Amalek. Leaving Egypt was not a battle, there was no war staged when the Jews left Egypt. However, as they arrived at the Yamsuf, and they crossed the Yamsuf, they were attacked by Amalek. Hence the war ensued between Amalek and Kal Yisrael. And as we read, not tomorrow, not on Shabbos, but we'll read next Thursday on Purim, Please don't interject to me. Don't know what you're saying. As we read next Shab- next Thursday, when it refers to the story of the Battle of Amalek, and that is referenced Sorry. from Bishalach, there we have the story of Videi Meshach Kevedim. Meshach sat on a stone up high, 
and raised his hands up throughout the battle against Amalek. And as Moshe's hands were raised, the Jews won the battle. And his hands fell, and the Amalekite were winning the battle. Aaron and Chur came to his aid, and each one stood at his side, and they held his arms up, so that the battle would be won. Many different Midrashim questions. First of all, Chiyadav Shamesha Hitzitz Muhammad. Were the hands of Mesha controlling the battle? And more so, where does it come that Mesha had, the Mesha conveyed him? All of a sudden he got tired. A man that sat later for 40 days and 40 nights without eating or drinking or sleeping, all of a sudden was sitting there getting tired, holding his hands up. A little awkward, a little awkward here, but each thing is a discussion for its own. This Shabbos, however, we read a different part of the Tera. In Pashki Seitze, in Pashki Seitze, which also discusses the mitzvah of wiping out Amalek. We've discussed many times Amalek has an interesting gematria. The word Amalek, Ayin Mem Lamet Kuf, It's 240. Another word, in Gematria 240, is the word suffix. Doubt. The Amalek in each and every person rears its ugly head. When a person is about to do a mitzvah, and suddenly, a doubt comes into their mind. Another very interesting story that Mendel Futvas told was a prisoner that was with him who was an atheist. He always spoke against religion, especially Judaism. Before the revolution, he was a Bundist, a Jewish-Russian socialist, a Bundist. And later, of course, the uh, beautiful life of communism swept him up. And when the communism, the ideal communism came about, he became a prominent party member and a very high party official, ultimately. And then, thank God, the night came and the secret police came to his house, knocked on his door and said, Adisuda, you're coming with us, my friend. And by the time sun rose, he was tried, convicted, and condemned for 20 years of correction in Siberia. Why? There was suspicion of counter-revolutionary activities. Go build a boat. Well, now he became bitterly delusioned with communism. But an atheist he was remained. Every time Rev Mendel mentioned Judaism to him, he used to cringe. He says, maybe Zionism, but Judaism never. Is I'll tell you why I had good devoted teachers. Is it good devoted teachers that taught you not to respect Judaism? Yeah. When I was a teen, he said, I was a a fervent Bundist. Although the philosophy was based on socialism, culture, hard work, good deeds. So every day, a few hours of classes. After a few hours of classes and lectures in our school, we'd walk to a nearby factory and work until sunset. A group of about 20 boys or so. And it was led by a leader, an older member. He was assigned to a mill. The mill had huge machines, used to grind the wheat. 
to ground into flour. One day after school, we were walking to our work job, our job site, and we noticed a group of Hasidic teens, also Yiddish Yingalach, with their Peyalach. They were walking on the other side of the street, the black Hasidic coats, the Peyas were waving in the wind, and their leader that was walking in front of them was the Regina Rebbe. To us Bundists, this is ancient beliefs, customs that were despicable. They were relics that belonged in a museum. We, we're the progressive, the modern cultured. We just couldn't stand to look at these people. So our leader shouted out, <laughs> Look at the little horses led by a big horse. We started laughing. We were laughing hysterically. And then we started throwing rocks at them. <laughs> we're all Jews. We're throwing rocks at them. That's how much we hated Judaism. And although we needed to get to the factory, we decided it's more important that these Jews get a good meeting first. But the Rebbe just stood there, quietly, till we finished. Then he gave a strange look at our leader, and he screamed, and we all heard it, a Mishina should have a disgusting, a strange death. The leader turned around to us and started laughing. We all started to laugh also. Peals of laughter. Took more stones, we were throwing at them. We got to the factory, we were all very excited, very happy. That was really fun. We turned on the machines, our leader still smiling from his encounter with the Chassidim. He yelled out again, as he turned around to see if everyone was laughing in the corner, everyone was laughing, the corner of his coat got caught in the mill. And an instant it started pulling him towards the grinding stones. He tried to get his coat off, but the machine was pulling very quickly. Someone else rushed to get the stop button, but the huge stones were still turning so fast, the momentum was so great that before our very eyes our leader was grinded and pulverized. Blood was everywhere. He had a real Misa Mishuna. We saw our very eyes the curse came true. <laughs> but you think that changed any one of our minds? No way. We shrugged our shoulders, cleaned up the mess and kept working. We saw a miracle and it had absolutely no effect on anyone. That's how much we doubt God. So you see, I had good teachers, he says. Interesting, I told the story. I went to put up mezuzahs in someone's house this week. I told a story that I've told many times. In Bnei Brak, a non-chosid very common practice in Bnei Brak, unfortunately. Many chassidim, many litayim. Let's not call them chassom. And there's one such fellow who had no affiliation with any chassid, any chassidis, but he was having troubles. Having problems, family problems, children, things. There never was. And nothing was going right. Someone convinced him to write to the Lubavitcher Rebbe. This is as far into him as his fiddle on the roof. But listen, <laughs> things were not getting better. So maybe, maybe this would be a solution. He wrote to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe answered him, "Bedikas tefillin 
check your tefillin mezuzahs. Right, he asked around. And he found out this is pretty much a common answer from the Rebbe. And the antagonist even said, maybe even the Rebbe didn't write it, maybe just somebody else did. Nafkimine. But, he decided, you know what, I asked for a bracha, and if the Zadik Taka told me, check my films, I'll check my films. Took the safest films. Safer said everything's beautiful. Ha! Okay, maybe I just had to do it. So he went back and he wrote to the Rebbe again. And he said, I did it. I checked my film And everything is fine. So the Rebbe answered him, check your mezuzahs. The Rebbe didn't say film this time, he said mezuzahs. Wow. I mean, for nothing else, these mezuzahs were relatively new. So, you know, to say again, check the mezuzahs, it's getting strange. But, he went to another sefer, had his mezuzahs checked again, with the same results. You have beautiful mezuzahs. No. Again. He wrote to the Rebbe. Again he said, I went to a second Sefer, and the Mezuzahs are fine. And once again he got an answer from the Rebbe, check your Mezuzahs. Now he was getting frustrated. He went to Rav Ozna, the Rav of Bnei Brak. He told him what happened. They wrote to the Rebbe. The Rebbe told him, check it, tell him, Mezuzahs. So Rav Ozna said, yeah, that happens, common practice, the Rebbe says that. What happened? He says, they were fine. So, so I wrote again, and again the Rebbe wrote back, check the Mezuzahs. I checked again with somebody else, and they're fine. And now again the Rebbe told me to check them. So I wasn't said this on the Lubavitcher. We have a Lubavitcher over by Lando. Go to Rebbe Lando and um, ask him what to do. So this fellow went to Rebbe Lando and he told him a story. That he had him checked twice, two different people. And the Rebbe is still insisting that he check his mezuzahs. He doesn't know what to do. So Rebbe Lando didn't know what to do either. But as a chassid, understanding the Rebbe doesn't make mistakes, he said, let me see the mezuzahs. He took the mezuzah, and he put it up by the window to get better light on it. Something caught his eye. So he asked the fellow, do you know the Sefer? The scribe who wrote this mezuzah. He says, yes, I do, brother. I know who it is. Do me a favor, he says, call him to my office. It's okay. So he calls the Sefer. And the Sefer comes into Orlando. It's a big, a big thing in B'nai Brak. Everybody respects Orlando. And, um, Abelando says, uh, tell me who you are. Tell me about you. Tell me something about yourself. So the Sefer says, I'll tell you the truth. I'm about Shuva for about two years. You're about Shuva for two years? He says, yeah. And you're a Sefer? He says, why not? This is one of my friends saw me writing once. He said, you have a beautiful handwriting. You should be a Sefer. So, I took to the quill and the pen, the ink, and it works. It does very well. I do what I write beautifully. So, Rolando asked him, do you go every day to the mikveh? He says, um, not every day. Says, How do you write films without going to the mikveh? 
So I'll tell you the truth. The days I don't go to the mikveh, I don't write Hashem's name. Says, what, what does that mean? This is when I write a mezuzah, and if I didn't go to the mikveh that day, I leave out Hashem's name, I leave blanks for Hashem's name. And the next day when I go to the mikveh, I fill it in. Let me, uh, dear listeners, I need to fill you in on a uh, halacha. A mezuzah needs to be written what's called kisidron, in order. A mezuzah cannot be written out of order. Every word has to be one after the other consecutive. If, however, it's not written kisidron, and you take a word out of, and you put a word in, you put a word out, the mezuzah is puzzle. This sefer, in turn, was writing puzzle mezuzahs. Because he was writing Hashem's name after. So the mezuzahs were like Hatchila puzzle. Rabbi Landa was not a prophet, by the way, just to uh, keep the records clear. He took the mezuzah to the window and saw that each time Hashem's name is full ink. You dip it in and he wrote with the full ink, he wrote that name. So that's how he figured out that something was wrong here. And the Sefer told him just the truth. So, P.S., the reason I told the story, really, is I don't think the man became a chassid of the Rebbe afterwards, anyway. (laughs) So, just like these people in Havdal had great teachers had to be happy person, this guy did not have a great teacher to make him a chassid. How about the first software went to? They didn't see anything wrong with it. The letters are all there. They're all there, and the guy had apparently a nice handwriting, so it was even nicer. So what could be wrong? It didn't occur to them what, what the Rav saw. And the only reason the Rav saw it is because the Rebbe said to keep looking, so he knew there was something there that he had to look for. So again, the P.S., that the Meshach Rabbeinu of each generation needs to be connected to. Let me get, before we get back to the Pasha, next Wednesday, Mitzvah, is Taina Sester. Taina Sester is one of the fasts that we fast only during the day, not the night before. In America, we move the clocks ahead already. So the end of the fast is approximately 7.40, 7.42, depending on your local stations. Please check with your local authority Kriyas in the morning and Slichas although it's Wednesday we'll read from the Torah by Yechal there's no Maftir by Shachris and then by Mincha again we read by Yechal with Maftir and after the Dish Hashem Bimotzei. During this fast, one may wear shoes. We don't eat, we don't drink. We take a shower. We can wash our hands for the bathroom. Unlike Tishbov and Yom Kippur. Again, the fast starts which again, check with your local authorities or you can try Maizmanen or whatever other program or app your phone might have for Hebrew calendars. If you go to sleep the night before and you decide you need to get up in the morning to have a coffee or something or maybe the coffee has a Danish attached to it Maybe the coffee has the uh, egg sandwich with it, whatever it might be. This obviously needs to be finished before the Shacha. And before you, prior to going to sleep, one needs to make a tenai. That I, while I'm going to sleep now, I'm making a condition that in the morning I will wake up early, early, so that I can eat or drink something. 
If, however, the person not make, make that tonight is not take out the stipulation, one may eat or drink in the morning. The mitzvah we spoke about two weeks ago, Pashash Kolem, of Machzah Shekel, the Jewish nation was counted by the Machzah Shekel, And the tradition is to give Machzah Shekel on Tainas Esther. This is done before Mincha. Um, what's usually done is there's most tzedakah that have gold, silver coins, three half dollars, and you give them money for the value of it, and you buy it by him. You buy it from them. In order to make a kinyan, you need to lift them up. You take them individually, each one in your hand, and you lift them up, and then you put them back down again. You make a kinyan, you do this three times, and then you, of course, give it back to the organization, thereby giving your machzis ha-shekel. The fast will go on until after Maidiv. And unless someone is in really, really bad straits, it should go on until after Megillah. You must fast. Um, on Wednesday night, Maidiv, and after Maidiv, the Megillah is read. Throughout the Megillah, you may not talk. One must hear every word read from the Megillah, from a kosher Megillah. If one is following along in a kosher Megillah, one can say along, if they know what they're saying. If one is following in a Chumash, or a booklet, they should not say along, so that not to disturb others, and so they themselves hear every single word. In the morning, by Shachris, it is again traditional to hear Megillah. Not traditional, halacha. Shachris is a regular Shachris. Oh, sorry, in Maidiv, and if you wash on Wednesday night, which people have a custom to do so, to put festive tablecloth and candles on Wednesday night as well. And during Birchat Amazon, During Shmonesri of Mairiv, we will say the Ve'alanisim for Purim. So too the same in the morning, Shachas and for Mincha, Ve'alanisim needs to be recited. Shachas on Tainus Esther back. We also recite Slichas, Selichot. So how could you not fast if you sing Selichot? Selichot and Avinu Malkeinu, but not by Mincha. Mincha would no longer say Avinu Malkeinu because Erev Purim. Purim day again. After Shachris, we are still left with three mitzvahs and therefore... Since we made a Shekhyano the night before by Megillah reading, and today we're reading the exact same Megillah, and therefore there's no Chiddush here with us, so technically it would be uncalled for to say the Baruch of Shekhyano.
Because after all, you made it yesterday. So therefore, there are three other mitzvahs that we need to do on Purim Day. And while the bracha of Shekhyanu is recited, one should keep in mind these three mitzvahs. The mitzvahs are Mishleach Manis, Matanas Levyenim, and Sudas Purim. Mishleach Manis. We need to give two foods, two different blessings, to two people. Men to men and women to women. Men do not give women, and women should not give men. It's not sneers. Obviously. The um, food should be cooked, should be edible. A closed can of tuna, I don't know if it works. Um, I don't even know if sushi works, it's raw. Anyway, um, so I get myself in, pro- in trouble over here and chop me up for chapzui. <coughs> Sorry. The the brachas, of course, as we said, Shechianu, we have in mind these three mitzvahs, Shechmanis. Shechmanis ultimately should be something really that's ideally used for the uh, Sudas Purim. That's a long forgotten custom, apparently, and people tend to give out um, all different chocolates and sweets, etc. The main thing is, it should be two different brachas, and um, don't ruin the traditions of the milk and chocolate just because you can't eat it by the Suda. That would be really wrong to all the people. I didn't say that. Take that off the record. Matanas Levyenim. Everyone has an obligation to give to two poor people. Each one should be enough to buy a meal. Um, I'm not going to give you numbers for that. Needless to say, though, you're going to give it poor people, it needs to be substantial. Allah is, Kala Peshit Yad Nesnimlei, Tafrit Sadiq Dalad, Shechen Larach, Erech HaShulchen. All those that stretch out their hands, you must give. No, and therefore, don't get me in trouble when you ask such questions. And therefore, We don't discriminate anybody if they're poor, if they're not poor. And the tradition is that many people, many, many maestas, organizations, go around collecting on Purim because they rely on Kalapesh Jad and therefore they're going to get what they need. Saudas Purim, the Purim meal. Now, unfortunately, because we are so involved in Mishlech Manas and you have all the chocolates and the hamantashen all the different types of hamantashen, and everybody tries to outdo somebody else with another type of hamantash, the traditional moon hamantash no longer has its uh, crown. But you have all different, as we said, flavors, and therefore, especially when you go to somebody's house and they give you a hamantash, that's a new flavor that you've yet to taste. <laughs> How can you pass that up? <coughs> so we tend to sometimes indulge, overindulge, during Purim Day between the Lechayims 
and the snacks and the sweets, and we therefore have a little issue with getting to the Suda, either because we're too inebriated, or because we just don't have the appetite anymore. So, flash warning, you don't get away with it. You don't get a pass for that. You need to figure out how to monitor what your intake is, both in liquor and in the sweets, so that you do have, you do wash for your suda. Washing needs to be done before shkia. Before sunset, again, check your local listings. We need to wash before sunset, and of course, a suda smitza, a suda of purim, a suda syamtif, would of course consist of fish and meat, etc. Traditional, whenever we bang, we we eat holopchus. We bang out of him bang a shanarabah, the shyness, and therefore now that we bang for Haman, it is also a traditional food to eat golubchen, holubchus, and kreplach, and or depending on your dietitian, depending on your nutritionist, etc. I don't want to get myself in trouble with all these uh, specialists. The um, Of course, you need to wash for the meal. And Tev Mishta Tavid. There's nothing wrong with saying that extra excess l'chaim. Obviously, underage drinking is not allowed. doesn't matter how or what Purim spirit you think you're in. Underage drinking is not accepted. It's unacceptable in any standards and in any circles. And when we see the young boy who thinks that he did a mitzvah of Adla Yoda and got himself so inebriated... It's something to be looked down upon. It's something that needs to be to hand. It needs to be controlled. And a slap on the wrist is definitely preferable than a pat on the back. Again, in Birch HaMazin, even though we washed, since we washed before Shkia, although we're going to bench late into the night, because the Suda has to go into the night, we still say by Birchasamaz and Valanissen. By Mayr, we no longer say Valanissen. Although it's the Mayr of Hashushan Purim. For those of the opinion, they would say, Gambit Simcho Vitzahola by Kabbalah Shabbos, you have to look at your local synagogue, see what the custom is. As Shushan Purim is a Yamtiv. Pasuk starts off at the beginning of the Chumash by Yikra Moshe, and this is one of the famous places that there's something wrong with in the pasuk. The word Vayikra is written with a small aleph. The letter aleph parallels to the word aluf, and aluf is a chieftain. And it refers to Alufi Shalelam, the chieftain of the universe. Also, the letter Aleph is used, it distinguishes Mesha Rabbeinu's communication to God, God's communication actually with Mesha, and the communication to all the Goyim the non-Jewish prophets, like Bilam. By Bilam, the word, the letter Aleph is not there, therefore it says Vayikor. 
He happened to be. Whereas by Moshe it says, Vayikra, where it doesn't mean Vayikar, that he just coincidentally bumped into him, but rather the Abishta called him. Rashi explains the word Vayikar, it denotes coincidence, impurity. And Vayikra is affection. But the Aleph is written small. It's not the same size as the rest of the letters. Almost hinting to us that it's an insignificant letter, Chazashal. But no, that Aleph, that small Aleph, reflects the general message of the word Vayikra. Vayikra and he called. This teaches us that every Jew has a mission. A godly mission. A godly mission of Vayikra. To call out to others, to draw them to take their mitzvahs. A Jew that answers God's calling is given, is imbued with an Aleph. Why? Because where does all this come from? From the chieftain of the universe, from the Aluf Shalalam. And therefore, since the person recognizes that this is all endowed in him by God, and he's only acting as God's agent, he's a small olive. The olive makes him modest and small. In Divrei HaYomim, however, the first word, Ashrei, is written with a big olive. Because this now relates to the world. A person, therefore, in the world, and the person is now setting out to do God's mission, he needs to do it with strength and authority. If he can score at home, Sekta Sanhedrin 37, side 1. One must have a sense that the world was created for me, Bishvili Nivraha Olam. And therefore it's in my power to influence the world. So in Divrei Yamim, which talks about the world's history, this godly endowed strength is symbolized with the great Aleph, with the big Aleph. It's larger. It's greater than all the other letters, therefore representing Alufa Shalalam. Of the many kabbonas that were brought down in the parsha, we discussed two kabbonas that are the same, but yet are not. The carbon chatos and the carbon asham. I sat down to eat food. I was totally unaware. I was under the impression this food was 100% kosher. And unfortunately, I found that it wasn't. Found that it wasn't. Bin is. And therefore, I need to bring a karma khatas. However, what happens if that's not what went on? But rather, I ate something, and 
I found out afterwards it could be kosher. It might not have been. I'm not sure. So now I have a problem. I might have eaten something kosher. I might not have. So I'm in, I'm in a dilemma. I'm in a bond. So I need to bring a karma for this. In case, Dimikre, I did something wrong. This karma is called the karma Asham. The karma Asham is more expensive than the karma Khatas. But why? Not only does it have to be more expensive, the question is why it has to even be. I might not have done the Aveda. Chassidus explains that although the actual Aveda was not committed intentionally, the actual existence, the very occurrence, is indicative indicative of something, a spiritual weakness. What makes a person inadvertently? What draws him to do, to have such behavior? Something that's wrong inside. Something that's wrong by the essence. So he's guilty of his choices. He did this this thing that I caught that attracted him to something that's impermissible. Even if it was only subconscious. Mishle, it says, Or, actually it says something else there. It says that no corruption happens to a tzaddik. Because the tzaddik only craves godliness. So sin doesn't happen to him, even unintentionally. So now we understand why the classic example of doubtful transgression, a a shagig, the Gemara tells us talks about a piece of animal fat. He didn't know if the animal fat was kosher or not kosher. They were both laying on the table. There's two pieces of fat. One was kosher and one wasn't. And he ate one. He thought it was permissible. Later they told him, no, that was not the kosher one. Or one of them was not kosher. <coughs> he doesn't know whether he ate the not kosher one. I'm sorry. He has to bring an usham. Why does Gemara use fat? Out of all the Avedas, he ate a piece of fat. But yeah, there's a reason for it. The concept of fat represents pleasure. A juicy, fat steak. So, if a person has a doubt if he indulged in forbidden fat or good fat, it's all about an unintentional sin. Another thing is also when the person does a sin and doesn't know it, and they told him afterwards, you might have done a sin, his tshuva is not the same. He doesn't feel really the need to do tshuva. Because I might not have done the sin. Therefore, the carbon is much more expensive, is much more severe. Pasha Zohar this week again, as we said before, it's very important. Men 
women and children go to shul to hear the reading of Pasha Zachar. If a person misses the reading of Pasha Zachar, he should see to go to on Purim morning to make sure he hears the reading of, of Malik. Malik is the worst thing that ever happened to the Jewish nation, and therefore it is very important that we wipe out Amalek, and we should merit this Shabbos that we wipe out Amalek entirely, the Amalek from spiritual, the Amalek of physical, and that we be totally pure to the service of God, and we zeichet to Gula Hamitas Vashlema in Yerushalayim Rakadesh, Shabbat Shalom to all.